Hello, and welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan, on this, the third Sunday after Pentecost. Our reading for this morning is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the fourth chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he pulls in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. And yet, when it is sown, it grows up to become larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his disciples he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord Jesus had been teaching by the side of the sea, telling many and various parables, including the two that we just heard. The first that he tells is about a man that scattered seed upon the ground. Unlike other parables about seeds, this one doesn't focus on the farmer or the field, but specifically on the seed. In fact, the man in the parable seems to be of very little importance to the story. The main point is the mysterious power of the seed to grow without the help of the farmer, even without him knowing how it grows at all. As Jesus says, he sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The power of growth is in the seed, and its power is unknown. It works mysteriously. And even those who are close to it don't know exactly how it grows. It grows on its own, according to its own purpose and in the proper order. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. When all is ready, when all the grain is ripe, then the farmer harvests, for the time has come. And so, what's happening here? What is the Lord telling us about the kingdom of God in this parable? When we look at it, the main focus is on the seed, the seed powerful and effective on its own. Thus, the kingdom of God in this parable is like this parable, because the seed in this parable is like the word of God. For God's word is powerful. It's effective in and of itself. It works in ways that we don't always understand or see. The man could only scatter the seed on the prepared ground, but he could not make it grow. Likewise, we can only share God's word, share the gospel, the proclamation of Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins, but we can't guarantee that the one with whom we share will believe. We can't make God's word better by our presentation or eloquence. St. Paul recognizes this when he said to the church in Corinth, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
God promises that he sends his spirit with his word to work in all who hear it and in all who receive it. And we do not always know how he will work through it. Sometimes we can share the gospel with someone and the spirit through the word begins to work almost immediately and we can see very quickly the results. Other times a person may hear the word of God for years and not seem to listen. We might be tempted to think that we ought to find the best and newest method, a book or a program that we can use to appeal to the people, to make the word stick, to make it so that it'll work, to freshen it up. But as our Lord demonstrates in this parable, the word of God works, even though we know not how. And this can be difficult for us, especially in our day and age where pragmatism rules all things. There are books and programs designed to make you or your work more efficient, to be a better salesman, to make friends and influence people, to be a better spouse without actually needing to change. But the principle does not apply here, for God works through his word, not us changing his word, not us through the word, but God through the word. Yes, he indeed uses us to scatter his word, to share his gospel, but it's still his word, his gospel. And it is his power that works in it. It is he who will work through it to bring about his will, even if we cannot see it or understand it. We are called to trust in him, knowing that he will do what he has set out to accomplish. You do not know whether or when the seed of God's word that you planted will grow. You might not even see the results, but take heart, knowing that it's not your eloquence, your technique, or your oratory skill that makes God's word effective or not. Instead, he does. And so you may rest knowing that he will accomplish his will through the power of his word, which we meekly share. So share as you have opportunity and go to bed and rise, trusting in your Lord who brought you to faith by his word. But this parable doesn't only speak to the power of God's word, it also speaks to the Christian life, which is empowered by the same word. For Jesus said of the growth of the seed which has been planted, that first there is the blade, then the ear, and the full grain in the ear. Like the seed which grows from the earth, first as a small shoot, then with leaves, and finally the various stages of the production of flowers and fruits, the life of the Christian is one of growth, growth which can be seen in two ways, in the mortification of our sinful flesh and in growing in faith and love. The word of God which has been planted in us causes the growth, It's the Holy Spirit who has brought us from death to life in Jesus Christ. He has justified us and enables us to grow in this way. The the life of a Christian, the life of one who is justified, of one who is made right with God, is one where the Lord grants us growth by his word and spirit. And as people who are still plagued by sin, we very often see this growth more readily in others than in ourselves. And this can be frustrating. It can be disappointing. It can even lead us to question our stance before God. But know, dear brothers and sisters, that God has given you many and various means that you may be assured of your state before him, and he uses it to bring growth to you through his word. For our God justifies freely for Christ's sake, through faith which receives it. And the Holy Spirit who works within us works to both grant, confirm, and strengthen the saving faith. He continues to work in us and through the means which he has chosen, not just at one point in our lives, but throughout them. Whenever you read, 
hear, or meditate on God's precious word, the Spirit is active through that word to sustain faith and strengthen it. He works to mortify our sinful flesh, and he empowers our feeble attempts at doing so, being the active power in our mortification. Likewise, because of faith in Christ, when we do good works, which God has laid out for us in the Ten Commandments, it's our dwelling in Christ by faith and the work of the Holy Spirit which makes our imperfect works God-pleasing. When we're struggling with ourselves, with doubts that arise from our sinful flesh, then, brother or sister, flee to where Christ promises forgiveness, life, and salvation. Flee to where he is found in his words and sacraments. For through these he works in us by the power of the Word and the Holy Spirit, forgiving our sins and empowering our new selves, which were created in Christ Jesus. For everyone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation, that we may walk in his ways and glorify God as we present ourselves as living sacrifices to him, acceptable as an offering, because we are in Christ Jesus. He has promised that he works through his word and his sacraments, that we may grow up in Christ. So seek him where he may be found to heal and strengthen you by faith. Our second parable today is similar insofar as it demonstrates to us the invisible action of God in his kingdom. In the second parable, the kingdom of God is compared to the way a mustard seed starts out very small, even as the smallest of traditional garden plants in Judea, and how it grows to be the largest of all the garden plants, so large, in fact, that the birds of the air can take refuge in its branches and the shade that it provides. Now, for context, this isn't mustard as in the plant that we use to make the condiment, which you may have seen driving in southern Saskatchewan. But rather, this mustard is a shrub called a mustard tree, which has various medicinal and culinary uses. In the Near East, it can grow up to 10 or 15 feet tall. The focus of the comparison is the surprising results from such a small seed, a seed which seems so small and so insignificant, but it becomes something large, able to support life and give rest and a home to the birds of the air. In this parable, our Lord is teaching us about his church. The church began as something small and insignificant in the eyes of the world. It was started by a teacher who came from Nazareth at the very edges of the Jewish homeland. And that teacher called his disciples fishermen, a tax collector, and other disciples of a scraggly prophet on the edges of the Jordan. This was not glorious in the eyes of the world. To add to this all, the teacher was crucified, dying the most humiliating death possible in the eyes of the Roman Empire and the world. But from these meager beginnings, which were very much ridiculed by opponents of the early church, the Church of Christ spread throughout the world very quickly. Those same disciples who were called by Jesus were now empowered by the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus sent upon them after he rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father. These disciples would preach the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins, of justification for his sake by grace through faith. They preached this first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and finally to the ends of the earth. By the end of the first century, the church, which is made up of all who have faith in Christ, was present as far east as India, as far west as Spain, as far south as Ethiopia, and as far north as Georgia on the Black Sea. 
Men and women from all over were finding shelter in the shade of the church, founded upon and rooted in Christ her Lord. Today, she has spread even further, but that doesn't stop her from being seen as insignificant or from being looked down on or persecuted. In some parts of the world, we hear of intense persecution, similar to that the early church faced, where a fellow believers risk their earthly lives simply for having faith in Christ and trusting in his all-atoning sacrifice. In other places, she is looked at as irrelevant, as outdated, as opposed to progress. She is dismissed because of the heinous actions of hypocrites who use her shade as a cover for their iniquity. In some places, she seems to fight with herself, where those who bear the name of Christ attempt to bring in, either overtly or covertly, things of the old, dying world. In some places, it seems as if the church is dying. Membership skews older. The priority of the church and worship in the lives of its members seems to continually be downgraded. At times like this, thoughts can turn to trying to find gimmicks or use guilt or any other method to keep things moving along, to go back to the good old days, even if they're not as we remember them. There are many fears or doubts that the church will not continue as Christ promised us. That is why, dear brother, dear sister, our Lord told this parable, so that we may know and be assured that even if to our eyes we cannot see how the Lord is working in and through his church, we can be assured that he keeps his promises. Appearances can be deceiving, but we are not called to look upon appearances or to judge outwardly. The Lord works spiritually within his church and does so through the means that he has instituted. And although it may not look like much now, on the day when he returns, we and all the earth will see the glory of his bride, the splendor of that mustard tree whose arms, like the arms of her Savior on the cross, stretch out to embrace the world and fill it. So will, so we will see the results of God's gracious working in and through his church by word and sacrament. If you doubt his promises, repent, dear brother, dear sister, and trust in his words and promises. Take your rest in him. If you're putting the responsibility of growing the church on yourself, as if we could force God's hand, repent of trying to take from God what is his. Rather, take shelter in her shade. Build your nest within her, orienting our lives around it and all that God gives within. Let us rest in him who has planted the church by his death and resurrection for our shelter in the midst of this life as we wait for the life to come so that applying ourselves to his word and sacraments as he instructs us, he may strengthen us and train us in righteousness, that he may build us up in the faith and increase within us holy love, so that resting confidently in him we may be free to share the gospel, sowing the seed of the word of truth in the hearts and minds of those around us, so that resting confidently in him for our justification we may, assured of our salvation, share our hope with others so that knowing we have an eternal home with our Lord Jesus, who tends to our every need and applies to us the medicine of immortality, we may strive to meet the needs of our neighbors, thus sharing with them the love of God. For he first loved us by sending his Son to die for our sins. He first loved us by calling us to himself and planting his word within us. He first loved us by granting us faith and giving us the gift of everlasting life. He first loved us by continuing to renew, sanctify, and grow us in the faith.
Thanks be to God. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.